All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're... you're you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to obviously his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS, T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Or you can always call me and I'll cook for them. It's, it really, it's a it's a great way to love people. That journey started early in his beloved granny's kitchen. She was the one that, you know, was always cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a Southern belle. She made everything taste good, and I didn't always, sorry, Mom, get that at home. <laughs> but uh, granny taught me how to cook, and 
I've never looked back from that. James is a Fox 6 Good Day Alabama monthly contributor. It's one of the honors of my life. I love cooking on TV. I love hearing the feedback. I love going in there and having people email me and ask questions. It's just, it's fun. And his peanut butter cobbler recipe was featured on the Food Network show Carnival Eats. That was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was... uh, I don't like I got paid for it, but it was a lot of exposure and it was really fun. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. CrossFit Mophobia is owned and operated by Hayden Setzer. Hayden has a degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in coaching. She is CrossFit Level 2 certified and Precision Nutrition Certified. CrossFit Mophobia is located at 222 Decatur Highway in Gardendale, Alabama. Email CrossFitMophobiaInfo at gmail.com or call or text 256-303-1873. Or you can look up everything she does on Facebook and Instagram. CrossFit Mophobia. Hey guys, Team Jones here. With ads. But if you don't like ads, you can download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have this one cool feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms, and they are completely free from ads. Straight out of Prison Podcast, the For Real Real, and Narrowing the Gap. But there's way more to it than that. There's a specialized feed that comes for all subscribers. Peek behind the scenes, live stream question and answers. Recipes and cooking videos by me, of course. You'll get unpublished episodes, unedited episodes, blooper reels, which are amazing, exclusive bonus content, downloads, and more. Or head over to teamjones.co slash podcast and click on the Become a patron button. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the join forces button. We will get in touch and consider whether or not it's a good fit. Schedule us for your podcast or become a guest with us on the For Real Real or Narrowing the Gap. Contact us by heading over to teamjones.co and click the join forces button. Or to schedule us for a speaking event, contact us on our website by clicking the join forces button. We also want you to know about the Team Jones workshops for your business or organization. They're customized for your teams. They're led by myself and my beautiful wife, and we'll even provide lunch. Go to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. Finally, the newest part of Team Jones is what we're calling the OPP package. OPP stands for Other People's Podcast. We will tell your story and sing your song. About your business, organization, community, family, or whatever story you wish to share with the world. And the best part is that it will belong to you. We will research, write, produce, record, edit, and present you with the finished product. It will be your own tool for marketing, building your brand, or just to get your story out there to the world. Bottom line, stories are powerful. They are. And not just our story, Mm -hmm. but your story. So we are very passionate and very excited about this project of getting the opportunity to tell whatever it is that you are passionate about. We want to hear it and we want to tell it. Head over to teamjones.co and click the join forces button and we will respond promptly. Please support our sponsors because they help us provide this platform for free. Thank you guys for your support and thanks for being a part of our story. is Haley Jones, and this is his story that has now become a part of my story. So, we're 
one step closer to your story becoming a part of my story. We are. <laughs> the way we ended the last one was mostly about you. I was in Alabama, baby. And how you got here and all the things. That On your to, birthday, but we didn't know it at the time. You were single and ready to mingle. I'm single and ready <laughs> to mingle. It's time to do the thing. But I had one more stop I needed to take. I was going to say, you might think that the connection is coming sooner than it is, but we have to talk about one more thing that happened with you. There, well, there's a ton of life that happened in between. Well, that. yeah, I mean, with and you an, with me, and a fiance that uh, was not me. That's true. <laughs> now I got to be honest. This is something that I put out of my mind, and I probably I don't put a lot of stock in this, and it will be easy to skip over this and not even do it. But since we're doing everything and keeping it real, <laughs> I guess we do need to tell this part of the story. But this will be. This will be a part of my story that I probably wouldn't even want my kids to know, mm-hmm. just because it was kind of stupid. Yeah. But uh, how do we want to kick it off? Okay, so let's see. Maybe just a little. We left off that I came here. And did we talk about me trying to find a job and all that? Did we talk about that? Not, not on this platform. No, okay. So, But we left off with, we told your story, you got here, and then we talked about uh, Shauna getting married, and, right? You know, just the end, just closing that chapter and knowing mm-hmm. that all that was over with. And then I was just really just my whole life was Kairos. That was all I did. I right. Didn't, uh, I didn't have a lot of life outside of my business at that time. You know, I was busy building my brand. I was struggling financially. Uh, I was living in the house with my mom, which was very. Uh, Humbling. Yeah, I, I didn't like it. Yeah, I yeah, we did talk about that. But let's kind of move on a little bit to the next kind of spurt of excitement. Yeah. Tell us about it. I don't know if it was excitement because I, I feel like I know when something's not right. But then you have other people try to encourage you in other directions. But at the time, I mean, I agree with you. You do for sure. But. There was something in you that made you move it forward, and what were t- y'all are probably like? What are y'all talking yeah. about? Like he met a girl, I did that he ended up getting engaged to. So that's what I'm referring to. Like you said, you could feel it wasn't right, yeah. But still, there was forward motion that you kind of initiated, right? It was. I think for me, the biggest part was I was lonely. I yeah. was so lonely, and you know, now Shauna got married and she was living her life, doing her thing. So that was close. So I was like, what about me? Where's my Thing. You know what? Where's my forever? My tomorrow? I don't know. I just, I was in a, a place where, I mean, I had faith, I had Jesus, I had all the things, but I was lonesome. And there had been a part of me up to that time, just because of the way I grew up, the things that I saw growing up was that, you know, you don't want to get involved with the wrong person and live a miserable life in marriage. And I thought, right or wrong, but this was in my mind. I just need to get a good, like, Christian girl who grew up in the right way and in the right home and all that stuff, and then everything will work out fine for me because that's what I want for my life and for my family. So there was a part of that, I think, with Shauna that was, like, fantasy. But, you know, she was my pastor's daughter. She grew up. It's funny, though, when you say it like that, like, I just want a good Christian girl. Came, I mean, in its most simplest like package and form. I mean, that is what you wanted, but just like everything else in life. I mean, we think something simple, but it's really very much not that simple. But no, I just thought I needed somebody that did not grow up like I did, that didn't Mm -hmm. have the same baggage, same background, same problems, same all stuff. And if I could find that, everything would be beautiful. But what I found out was not necessarily 
reality because she broke my heart more than anybody else could have, I think. Right. Okay, so we'll we'll call the next girl. Should we call her? Her name was Karina. I don't have to okay. say her last name. I've already <laughs> okay. said it. I said okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I that's said true. it on the last one. <laughs> that's true. But I've I've partnered with a ministry called Bethany Home, and it was a kind of a safe house for women. Mm-hmm. And we had an understanding that if I employed any of the women there, you know, you had to, was a certain degree of confidentiality, and it was a it was a secret. Even where it was. I mean, I knew where it was. Mm-hmm. If I had an opening and needed someone, they were the ones that I talked to first, just like in the dining room. Right. But the back of the house, if I needed someone, I went through Shepherd's Fold or the Foundry, and I got guys coming out of prison. So that my business had morphed into that, and it was, uh, I say morphed, that doesn't even sound good. But it was just like I felt like I'd evolved. found. Evolved. It had evolved. Yeah, I felt like I'd found like a purpose. And, you know, I'm doing business, doing what I love, but I can also help people and do ministry at the same time. So I love that part of it. Well, this girl came. I say girl. Some people get mad when you say girl. We had a spot come open where we needed a cashier for the lunch shift. And this young lady was recommended. My first impression of her was not good. I mean, she was cute. She was pretty. Blonde hair, blue eyes, little little thing. So what was not good about the impression then? Just uh, her vibe. I didn't really, uh, just something about, I didn't, I didn't care for her. I didn't like her. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say, hey, I don't like you or tell anybody else that. But I didn't, you know, it's something for me when you got somebody dealing with money and you get any kind of check, you know, pay attention. You know, when people are robbing you and stuff like that. But uh, I, fa- I found out that she had been in prison and that she had just got out of prison. So that was like, wow, I've never known a woman. That had been in prison. And so I started asking questions, and she had only been there for like three months or whatever, mm-hmm. but she was obviously putting her life back together. Yeah. And um, I don't even know what happened after that. So you hired her? Yeah, she's working there every yeah. day, five mm-hmm. days a week. But I started to get this pressure from Steve that he was always like wanting to tell me her story. And her story is like your story. I'm like, well... Not really, maybe. I mean, yeah. But I was lonely. Yeah. And I felt like there was something weird going on. It was just my standard. You don't date people that work for you, because I tried that at Leonardo's. It didn't work out. I had saw just so many disasters that happened in different organizations where you try to get involved with someone emotionally, mm-hmm. then you're their boss, and it just it's not good. Yeah. I mean, I even had context from. I had a server that worked for me at at Leonardo's, Kalita, who dated little Tony for a little Mm -hmm. while, and just the disaster that came from that. And he wasn't even her, like, direct supervisor, but his dad owned the business. It's just like you don't get involved with stuff like that. You keep that – you keep business and pleasure, I guess, or dating, whatever, separate. So that was that. Okay. So, but Steve, let's, like (laughs) – It's so funny because even you telling this right now, I can like sense the, I don't know if the word is apathy. Is that a word? Yeah. Like indifference. Apathy means you don't have any feeling about it. Yes, exactly. Like, but at the same time it happened. So we got to talk about it. That I was apathetic towards her? No, towards the whole, like what happened? Like the apathetic towards, okay, I will, I'll break this down. You mean now? Yeah, you're apathetic now as you're talking about it. Yeah, because like a blip on the radar. Okay, so but, my story. but it's still significant because so Steve was trying to tell 
you about her story and saying they're the same. We didn't agree. But somehow y'all started dating. So did you ask her out on a date? Like, no. What, well, what ended up happening, I think Steve was like trying to push her in my direction. And then Steve was trying to push me in her direction. And then there were other people, you know, the people that ran that that ministry and all that stuff. They, they, they were older ladies and they loved James K. Jones. So mm-hmm. if something could have worked out good for that, that would have been, that would have made them happy as they could be. She started getting a little too friendly towards me. And I didn't like it because she was a little thuggish ruggish. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> she would flow up in there with her little, ruggish. with her little, uh, glitter and Reeboks. And, you know, she was, she was not my type. At all. She, she was flirty. Um, yeah. She started flirting. Yeah. And I was used to a certain amount of that, but like this was, uh, like they were trying to make it something that it wasn't, like this was some kind of destiny or spiritual thing. So I feel like you, you're going to have to admit at some point, like you, and there was something you like, you went out with her. No, no not continued in the beginning. You to go out with her. No. Okay, but the, a date happened. You got engaged, for goodness sakes. You got to help people understand this, was, this. This was like a year down the line. This didn't okay. happen at first. She was working for me. Right, but an engagement, okay. Talk about your first date. <sighs> I don't know if we had a first date. What ended up happening was she was getting a little bit, this is why this is confusing. What ended up happening was she was getting a little too familiar with me. And there was uh it was around Christmas time where I needed some help putting out some extra parties. So I just put out a thing. If anybody wants to work this night, you know, I'll pay you in cash. And she was one of the ones that volunteered. So she came in and I felt like that night she was just getting a little too friendly with me. So I made like a mental check. I'm on finish because I had like 12 jobs, and you know we were all working like crazy. I made a mental check to myself. I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to sit her down, and I'm going to explain to her that there's no way that we're ever going to be in a relationship with each other. So, you know, take that off the take that off the table. I told her that I needed to talk to her, and we set up a meeting. And when we started talking, I couldn't say it. It wouldn't come out for some reason. I felt... I don't know what it was. I felt like I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I didn't want to crush her. But at the same time, I need you to know that this is, you know, I'm running a business. I'm not interested in you like that. You may be interested in me. That's fine if you are. But it didn't work out like that. It ended up being, I honestly don't even know what happened. Like I couldn't even get out. And we started dating after that night. (laughs) It was weird. <laughs> That's hilarious. But looking back on it, in hindsight, being 2020, I was lonely. I right. was lonely, and I was kind of just in a weird place where, you know, Shauna got married. It's actually was... 2021 now. Sorry, I had to interject that. What? You said hindsight, I mean, now it's 2020. No, or were you saying hindsight is 2020? Hindsight is 2020. Oh. 2020 <laughs> okay, vision. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Like you can, <laughs> <laughs> blooper reel, you can see everything clearly in hindsight. Hindsight right. is 2020, but you can't see when you're going through it. But uh, I also had a, a part of me that thought, well, maybe I do need somebody that's had a rough background. Maybe that's what I need. Maybe somebody that's had a background similar to mine because, you know, the guy that Shauna married had her almost her same story. Yeah. And I started thinking, well, maybe that is... Maybe I should give that a shot. You yeah. Know, see how that worked out. And we started dating after that. So I broke my rule and did all the things, but. We'll be right back. 
head over to our YouTube channel for recipes, podcasts, and now we're even live streaming stuff to give you guys real glimpses into our daily lives. Yikes. You'll also be able to see the podcast behind the scenes and unedited live streams. We've added the first five seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and even if you've listened to all of them, check out the video format to see pictures, behind the scenes, and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. It won't cost you anything, but it does help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. For exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have one feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms, and they're completely free from ads. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. Broke your own rule. <laughs> Here we are. Okay, so you started dating. It progressed. I mean, just like, I feel like that is very, especially, I mean, you were older. She was older. Like, it's very common in people that are dating, especially at that age. You either are moving forward or you're not. What's the point? Yeah, well. Because obviously you wanted to be married, in general, I was I wanted a family. I was yeah. lonely, but she had two kids. She had a, a like a nine year old son that lived with his dad, and then she had a, I believe he was one or two. He was still a toddler, still in diapers that had gotten taken away from her when she got arrested. That was in foster care. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I run from stuff like that. I don't yeah, want, like my red flags are don't you don't get involved with stuff like that. But I was taking counsel from Steve during all this when, you know, I told him I had all all these checks about all these things. And he was like, James, that is horrible for you to say. I think what I said was, I don't want somebody else's kids. I want my own kids. Yeah. And he's like, that's a horrible thing to say when there's so many kids out there that need daddies, you know, specifically being Karina's, her little boy, because the daddy was somewhere else. And I remember, like, he made me feel guilty, but at the same time, I was like, well, why don't you go be their daddy? I mean, if you're so putting that on me. Uh, well, I think the bottom line is. I noticed you and Lenora had your own kids. I know that that creates, because not everyone's, some people are gifted or I don't know what the word is. Just, Called to do they, that. Yeah, they have a heart for that. Yeah. And some people are not. And it's part of the plan. Yeah. And it's great. And good. that's okay. But yeah. it wasn't for me. I wanted my own kids. Right. I wanted my own family. But, you know, I, I got through that. We dated four or five months. I met her oldest son. I fell in love with him. He's a he's a cool little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, had to get to know her ex. She'd never been married, but she had all these. So it's just all this stuff that I didn't normally wouldn't have been wanting to be a part of. Right. But, I mean, we continued the relationship. We started growing closer together. I met her little boy. He was like two. Beautiful little kid, Mason. How do you not fall in love with a little kid, an innocent little kid? Right. And we were rocking and rolling, going through that process. And then, you know, she got her apartment and all the things. And I was a part of helping her through that process. And somewhere during that time, I found out that she had been a stripper. 
in her previous life. And I don't know, something changed for me after that. Okay, so I want to be careful now because I know that there's a lot of people listening to this podcast yeah. that maybe have that same story. Yeah. Um, so well, for I think you, we need to say why that bothered me so much. Yeah, let's talk about that. Not to put down on anybody. Like, nobody's sins are worse than my sins. My sins are just as bad as anybody's. But there was something about the being a part of that kind of a lifestyle that struck home with me, like, deep in my heart. And it was because when I was 10 years old, you know, I grew up, we've talked about that in the podcast, but my mom married my stepdad when I was two, and he was my dad growing up. I didn't, I mean, I knew he was my stepdad, but he was my functional father. Right. When I was 10, my brother was five, he started disappearing from our life, Mm -hmm. like for days. What happened was he got, he he was a driver for people making movies. Yeah. And he got involved with drugs. And he started going down that path. And then I don't know how they met or whatever happened. But anyways, he got involved with a stripper. And he ended up leaving us and, you know, destroying my mom, taking my brother, running off. So you connected that and, stripper with just like really the breakdown of what was the only family you knew. Yeah, and it was the that was the most that was the deepest pain I'd ever felt because that shattered our lives. Yeah, and it wasn't just that he got involved with a stripper and something happened. It was he got involved and then he divorced my mom and then he took my brother ran off. Then he ended up marrying the stripper and then they had another baby. So it was just. Uh, it was deep for me. Right. Like I, I don't I can't be a part of it. Which anything. I think it is important to tell that part because that really does explain why when you found out that she had been a stripper, it kinda yeah. brings up a lot of negative pain. Memories, yeah, and pain and stuff too. Yeah. So I immediately like I knew I can't do this. Um I'm not doing this. So was that before or after y'all got engaged? You're pushing too far. We were not engaged, we were just dating. I know, but the way you're communicating this yeah. is confusing because you say you found that out and then you realize you can't do this. So I broke up with her. Okay. The end. Move on, nerd. Except it wasn't the end. It wasn't because something else happened during that process. Okay. I found my brother. Mm. Um, I broke up with her. She ended up, she was crushed. And I remember she told me, I believe that God told me that we're we're supposed to be married and have a family. And I was like, well, he didn't tell me that, so you need to figure that out. And I remember right after that happened that Steve got so upset with me, so angry with me. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you even, why do you even care? You mean he got angry with you regarding the that, Karina situation? That I broke up with. Him. Yeah. So we dated total about three or four months. And I just got to that place where I knew this is, I can't do this. This is not what I'm doing. And... I remember his boys, Derek and Eric, they were helping me at Kairos. And they they were retelling the story that he was walking through the house, throwing his hands up and down and saying, James is making a mistake. And they were like 17, 18 at the time. And I was like, well, what do y'all think about that? And they were like, I don't know. It feels like he's taking this way too serious. And I said, exactly. But I couldn't understand it. It was weird. It was just like, why do you care so much like I said I'm not doing this and then there was a part of me that felt like maybe he wanted me to move on maybe Lenore because they thought maybe if I didn't move on I would try to 
rekindle something with Shauna. But uh, that makes sense. I can see that. No, but I'm like, once she's married, well, maybe not, because I mean, she was legally married when we started, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. The whole thing just got weird for me. Yeah, but I had that. The thing about the stripper and all stuff, it was bitter and deep, and it was a pain that I felt, and I knew. I can't unsee that, so I can't. Yeah, I can't be a part of that. And then just the fact that, you know, your kids live with somebody else, and all this. I just, I'm not. No, I'm not doing all that. All right. So let's. You just mentioned a minute ago that you found your brother. I did. There was all this stuff happened at one time. Right. So there was a lot packed in here. I guess if you look back on the story and you say that I was engaged to her, it is confusing. But we didn't just like meet each other. And get engaged. Yeah. Like, we met. Then there was a uh, process where I was like, I would never date you. And then we started dating. And then I couldn't anymore. And I ended it with her. Okay. And I was done. Like, I even told her, you need to go find another job. You can't work here. I mean, I feel like like Steve talked me into this. And this is not something I wanted. It's something I knew wasn't going to work out anyways. And I'm just not doing this. So I broke it off with her. So then after you broke it off is when, about that time when you found your brother. I did. That was about the, about the spring of 2011. So let's recap the details real quick about, like, how long it had been since you'd seen him. Yeah. And, I mean, is it true that you had no contact at all with him until this point? And did you just, yeah, all the questions about that. Okay, ask. I had one brief contact with him after I got out of prison. He mm-hmm. was, my two top things was... I need to find my biological father, and I need to find my brother. Okay. And I told people, I actually have this in a journal, that my brother got got it worse than me. So I said, I believe he's probably either dead or in prison. Mm. And just after going through counseling and realizing just all the, just the dysfunction and stuff that we grew up in and all the pain and the heartache. And when I got out of prison in 1999, there was a new thing out called Google. Have you heard uh-huh. of it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why well, I hadn't up to that point. Uh, my cousin LaDonna in Phoenix City, she told me, she, I can find anybody with this new internet thing. <laughs> and uh, we found his aunt, and I reconnected with his aunt, Janet, who was my aunt when I was growing up. Right. And she told me that he was in prison in Florida. So... <laughs> was crazy. Like, I predicted that. I said that. Right. But we actually found out that at one point, when he first was arrested, he was a youthful offender, that he was at Lancaster, and I was at Brevard, and we were could have been at the same camp we were wow. at the same time. But his was different. His wasn't really like crime. Mm-hmm. His was like drugs and anger. Yeah. I think his first one was he beat somebody up in Florida, in Panama mm-hmm. City, went to prison for it. Okay, so you found him briefly when you first got out of prison. Did you make contact there? We wrote. I wrote one letter. He wrote one letter, and then he got transferred somewhere else, and we lost contact. Okay, and now, I felt like it's just not the time to try to reconnect with him. Okay, so that was ninety nine. Yeah. So now fast forward to two thousand eleven. Yeah. And you did you decide like okay now it's time? No, I, I always pray for him, and I always keep that, and just I always felt like when the time was right, it would happen, just like it did with my biological father. And I'm going to remind people right now before you say how you found them, just because this always just hurts my heart, just about how he was taken from you almost overnight. Yeah. And you were how old? Ten? I was ten. He was five. And he was five. And y'all were just buddies and 
you know, you you almost felt like he was your kid, your he baby. Was. He was my baby. Yeah. When he came home, and so that changed overnight when his dad took him and just left, and just left. And I never would have thought that would have been the last time I saw and him. And from that point, when you were ten years old, yeah. the next time you made contact was in nineteen ninety nine. Yes, when you were okay. So heart wrenching. So fast forward. Wait, no pause. Yeah, there was one. I'm sorry. Just as I'm telling the story, it comes back. Yeah. When I was 17, I believe it was the same weekend that I found out that my dad was not really my dad. Uh-huh. My granddaddy was recovering from heart surgery. He was eating breakfast, and he was, like, talking, and he said something about my stepdad, and he said his name, that he died. And I was like, what are you talking about? And my granny said, oh, he's just rambling. And my dad said, he's just rambling. And I said, is he dead? He's dead? And my granny said, I think so. I heard something. You'd have to call Denise and ask. And Denise was my aunt, my dad's sister. Mm -hmm. But she was friends with my stepdad. They grew up in the same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. She was the one that actually, actually, my aunt Denise was the one that introduced my stepdad to my mom while she was still married to my dad. So it's just all twisted up. Right. But that was always a source of conflict with the Joneses. So the guy that we're talking about is dead at this point, your grandfather was, was your stepdad, which was Mike's dad. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I found that out, and I called my mom because I knew if he's dead, we can go get my brother. And this had been, this would have been seven years later, so I called my mom, and she started crying. I was like, I don't know, but you need to figure it out. We need to go get my brother. And her and her current husband, I think it was husband number four, they— Came and picked me up at my granny's house, brought my meemaw, because my meemaw, bless her heart, she grieved so much over my brother. It was it was just, that was just a hard situation. And we went to where he was at his grandmother's. He was 12, I was 17. Uh, he wouldn't speak to my mom. He didn't have anything to do with her. Um, he would speak to me. He was like a wounded little, it was awful that day. But his dad had just died. He had contracted, like, Mm. leukemia, and I think it took, like, six months, and he was gone. Wow. So he must have been young, like, in his 40s? Mm, He was in his 30s. His 30s, He was young. Yeah. Um, But it just wiped him out. Mm -hmm. And by that time, I had all the, the hatred and stuff, so I didn't have too many feelings about that other than, you know, maybe things work out the way they're supposed to. But then my brother was the only one that I cared about during that process. But it was like, after all those years, it was like pain on top of pain on top of pain because he didn't want anything to do with my mom. He didn't want anything to do with us. And he wanted to stay with his grandmother. And ultimately, that's what she ended up letting him do. It was just, that's going to be how it is. I mean, I never understood that and I probably never will. Honestly, for me at that age, after that happened... It was almost like he died. Yeah, I mean, you way. just never know. You said you'll never understand that. Like, what conversations, like, what they talked about, what went down, especially for a kid who's yeah. developing. You just don't even know. But but so, for you, you were a kid as well. Yeah. So I can see how the confusion, you just don't understand. Why wouldn't you want to come with your mom and me? You yeah. Know? No, but I, it was like he had put a block up against, he didn't even remember us. And I'm like, I know you remember me. Because I remember when I was five. <laughs> yeah. And then he would start talking about stuff that he did remember. But it was, uh, that was very painful. And after that, it was just like, this is just reality. And it 
you know, that kind of fed my rage and my problems that led me to where it led me. But um, fast forward to uh, 2011, you know, Facebook, it just came out. It was a neat new platform. And they had these things called friend suggestions. (laughs) (laughs) We still have those today, yes. (laughs) But it was when they first came out, when they started suggesting you to be friends. Right. And I was closing out the books for a day at Cairo's, and I was looking at something on Facebook because I used the Cairo's Cafe Facebook page to market my business. And it came up and it said, hey, you should be friends with Michael Mulkey. And that's my brother. And it just freaked me out. I started crying. So, of course, I clicked on it. <laughs> yeah. So I clicked on it, and there he is, my baby brother, a grown man. <laughs> wow. It was crazy. But uh, it wasn't like all good news. I found out, you know, it didn't take me long to dig a little bit and find out he was in prison in Georgia somewhere. Mm-hmm. So he'd been in prison in Florida, and I was in prison in Georgia. What I ended up finding out was that from the time he was 18 years old, he'd been in and out of prison. He had Hadn't been out much. So mm-hmm. I forget exactly how. I think I just looked him up and wrote him a letter. In prison. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next thing I know, he called me. So. So, <laughs> okay. So he called you. Did that surprise you? It, because the last time, you know, the story you just told that you yeah. spoke to him, I guess. Well, I guess you spoke to him after prison. You reached out when, when you first got to prison. In 99, y'all exchanged a letter. We said it was one letter. Yeah. We didn't talk on the phone or anything. Okay, so he calls you. Yeah. How are you feeling when he calls you? I don't know. I just started crying. I couldn't stop. I think I cried for like three days. Wow. Just my baby brother. And, you know, and he's in prison, so I know some of that, what it feels like. So we had that connection. And um, he called me every day after that for the first little while. Yeah. It was... um. And now we're just reconnecting, I guess. Like he was asking what was going on with you. Yeah. Um, it was very important for him. He wanted me to call his grandmother who had raised him. Mm-hmm. And for me, I felt like, I don't know a nice way to say this, but growing up, I always felt like she was the architect of what happened with my stepdad and my brother, of like him taking him and hiding him and all the stuff that he did. I mean, there were parts of it I know they did because I was in a meeting between her and my mom after we found my brother when he was 12, where she was just real harsh and the stuff that she said. So I had, like, a lot of unforgiveness towards her. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go back to, uh, I guess it was season two, the Straight Out of Prison podcast, we talked about me going through the process of finding a way to forgive my stepdad because that was my biggest hurt. Right. Well... When he asked me if I would call her, it was important for him because that was his person. I didn't want to. I was like, I don't know. We'll see. She don't want to hear from me. Why did he want you to call her? He felt a loyalty towards her. You know, she raised him. She was so, the only but person. That still begs the question. Did he Did he just want her to know that you guys were in touch? Or he, I think he needed her approval. Okay. Like he needed her to, I guess, sign off on it. Sign off on y'all talking again? Yeah, I guess for it to be okay. Yeah. Because it was just a twisted relationship, all yeah. that stuff. So I, I told him in the beginning, like, well, I'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And then, but every time we talked to you, we'd bring it up again. Your mama wants you to call her. She wants you to call her. Um, I told her. 
I said, well, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. And I couldn't do it, but he, like, pinned me down, like, got me to say that I would. So I was like, I'll do it. As soon as I hang up the phone, I'll do it. And you got to understand, for me, I always wanted revenge against her. Um, It was kind of like what your anger was targeted at, even though there were so many players and pieces and... You know, it wasn't all just her fault, but, like, for you, it was, like, that's kind of where your anger and blame got directed. And pain. Well, no, it was practical pain, because I can remember anytime I went to Atlanta to my granny's after we moved to Alabama, I knew her number by heart. I don't know anymore. It was 622-something. And she was the first call I called when I got to my granny's, because it wasn't long distance. And I would ask about my brother, and she would say, I don't know. I can't tell you anything. And I would cry, and, mm. and it would just, you know, knowing that just that. Yeah, she was kind of, I guess, keeping you from him. Oh, she was stonewalling me, absolutely. Yeah. So, I don't know. It was just, I wanted, I wanted revenge. Yeah. Like, I wanted her to pay. And even though I'd had an experience with Jesus and all things, I didn't even realize the resentment and the unforgiveness I had towards her. So I was like, I want a relationship with my brother more than I care about that. And so I called her, and I had all these things I was going to say. I was going to say, look, I'm doing this for him. Um, You know what you did. You deserve (laughs) all things. But when I heard her voice, I felt like I was five years old again. Mm, And she was, well, she was my grandmother, too. I had three grandmothers growing up. I had my granny, I had my meemaw. And I had Mama. That was his grandmother. Mm-hmm. Because I came into their family, I was the first grandchild. Yeah. Because I'd I would always say, "I'm not really." And she was like, "Oh yeah, you're really." She was in her 80s. It was just like everything. I surprised my, and I know it was Jesus. You know, just forgive. So I carried on a conversation with her, and it was kind of crazy because I reconnected with her. Then she wanted me to reconnect with everybody else. Reconnected with him, and so all of a sudden. I'm 37, 38 years old, and I have this family back in my life that was my family that from the time I can remember till I was 10 years old. And it was weird, and it was healing, and it was good, and it was crazy, and it was all the things. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was— So many emotions there. Uh, and it's like, you know, my mama didn't want me doing all that. She didn't—she wanted me to connect with, with my brother, but not the rest of them. So I was like, well, this is part of it. You know, I got to figure it out. But— uh it was a weird time, you yeah. know, because you know, his aunts and uncles and cousins, when I was growing up, they were my aunts and uncles and cousins. I mean, I didn't really understand the step family and if somebody got a divorce, what was right, going to happen. Right, But uh, I got a lot of clarity about a lot of things through that, just talking to different ones, reconnected, like with Michael's oldest cousin, Derek. We were we grew up together. Mm-hmm. You know, I got reconnected with him, got on the phone with him. He lives in... Uh, What's the historical town in South Carolina? Uh, mm, Charlotte? Uh, no, that's no. Charleston. Yes, he lives in Charleston, South Carolina. He does like he's he's like an artist. He does stuff with old uh, stone and stuff, and just that was so exciting to get to talk to him as adults and just you know reconnect with all of them. And okay, so connect how this like kind of reuniting with your brother and his family. If that is a connection at all to the Karina thing. Okay. Through the process of this, um, immediately I couldn't get on his visiting list because I wasn't listed as his brother. 
which was, was pissed me off. I was like, I got your birth certificate. We got to see mama. And I went round and round with these uh, counselors or whatever they are mm-hmm. that approve you in the Georgia Department of Corrections. And I mean, at the same time, I'm praying and believing, doing all things. So he didn't have me listed as his brother. So they said, we can't prove that you're his brother. So I said, I have his birth certificate. I have my birth certificate. We have the same mama. We're half brothers. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it wasn't working out. And I'll never forget, at a restaurant, it was one, I think it was like Moe's or something like that. It was one of those quick places I was eating. And I got a phone call from some guy, some random guy in prison. And he said, are you Mike's brother? And I said, yeah. Who is this? And he said, don't worry about that. Um, he wanted me to call you. I'm calling you from a cell phone. I'll get in trouble for using this. <laughs> he wanted me to call you and tell you a special visit and pass has been approved for this weekend. You can see him Saturday and Sunday. You just got to come. And I was like, are you sure? And he was like, yeah, I'm sure. And I couldn't believe it. I just broke down and started crying. And I was like, I get to see my brother. I could not believe it. But I went to, uh, he was in right outside of LaGrange, Georgia. So I went to Phoenix City, spent the night with my cousin Lisa, and just got up early that Saturday morning, went and see him. And I literally, I cried all the way there. And I got to spend, I guess we spent like eight hours together that day. Wow. But then the lady up there said, this is a special visiting pass. You can come back tomorrow if you want to. So she let me come back the next day. So I spent two full days with him. And it was just nothing earth shattering. We just reconnected and talked. And, you know, I think his first question to me when he sat down was, uh, he said, uh, JJ, do you smack your food? And I was like, nope. And that was only something that me or him would have known that his dad was a Nazi about you didn't smack your food at the table. If you did, he'd smack you. So it was just, uh, (laughs) it was funny to reconnect with that. But what ended up happening was he has a sister and she was a part of his life and supporting him and all that stuff. And I ended up having to connect with her over something and I realized, like, the stripper that my stepdad ran off with, if that hadn't happened, then this girl was a beautiful girl who loves my brother. You know, she's his. Yeah. Like, this beautiful girl would not even exist if this hadn't happened. And, you know, she grew up without her dad. He died when he was a baby. And mm-hmm. I don't think she was too crazy close to her mom. But uh, just through the process of that, and I really like his sister. She's a really neat person. I mean, we weren't like buddy, buddy or close, but I started learning and hearing stories. And, right. You know, there were several times like uh, his mama will say, your sister. And I was like, I don't have a sister. It's like, hey, you do. I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> um, but through the process of that, I was able to come to a place where I could forgive the stripper. And <laughs> Which was the woman that. That he should, ran off. Yeah, with. the woman that your stepdad married after your mom. Yeah. So something weird happened in me after that was um, I felt like I was holding that against Karina and that I shouldn't do that. Like that was bad. And she was uh, she didn't work for me anymore, but she was part of my church. And at that time, anytime Steve was doing something in his house, I was always in the middle of all that. Yeah. Then she was always there too, tagging along. So it was was kind of weird how we got back into a relationship that was a little more healthy. Mm-hmm. I actually had fun with her for three or four months. Yeah. But at the same time, there was a check in me where I knew this is not what I'm supposed to be doing because there were things about her that that rubbed me the wrong way, like just that I didn't 
I want to be with her. I think most people have been in a relationship with someone where deep down in your gut, whether you're listening or not, you know, like, this is not it. Or I know this is not, like, you know, not going not not right. to be my end game. Yeah. And I know that. But, like, you had mentioned about being lonely and we're made, I feel like, to be in companionship like that. that I, we was, just take, I was very lonely. That we ignore those gut things because we're having fun and because it is fun, you know, and it's not. Yeah. But, yeah, so I do know what you mean about that. But feeling. it wasn't just like, it was like even like cultural things. Like she would get on my brother's Facebook page and, and do like eubonics on his page. And then he would call me and be like, who is this girl? Wait, what's eubonics? <laughs> like where you're... Um, Spelling things not like they're spelled. Why would you like, do that? Like just trying to use like ghetto language. Like trying to be funny or? I guess. I don't know. I didn't know that. And then she was also, she had piercings. And I was like, I'm not going to date anybody with piercings. I don't do that. <laughs> and uh, um. she got rid of her piercings for me when we were dating. Hold on. I have piercings. No, you don't. In my ears, yes, I do. No, no, this was not. She had a she had a tongue ring, and then she had a nose oh, ring. Okay. Which I, nose rings don't bother me. I had a nose ring at one point. I don't know. I just didn't like it. I wasn't into it. Yeah. And there was something one time she taught me to go into one of the piercing places to do something with her, and I was just like, "This is not my vibe. It's not my jam. It's not what I do. <laughs> like this is no." But anyways, we got through all that. She got rid of all that for me, which was wrong. You don't tell somebody to do that. We dated pretty hot and heavy for three or four months, and then I just decided, well, if we're going to keep going like this, let's just get married. Mm-hmm. So I asked her to marry me in December of 2011. Somehow I still knew it wasn't real because I wasn't so excited about it. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to adopt her son, the young one. There were several days where I kept him all day just by myself, and he was a great kid. I loved him. It was fun. But I would just say, Jesus, I just don't feel a connection. Like, is this supposed to be my son? This don't, it doesn't, doesn't seem to make sense. But anyways, fast forward, we were only engaged for like 30 days. She started acting weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The whole thing was just weird. Yeah. And it was honestly, there were like a thousand red flags. My mom... Oh, my mom, she couldn't stand her. She was like, I'm not accepting her. I don't care what you decide to do. And you know how that is as a mom if you see something that doesn't seem to be what it's being packaged up to be. Right, right. (laughs) I remember my cousin Lisa during that time, she told my mom and my mom's sister, if y'all would leave him alone, he would get this out of his system. But the more y'all keep hounding him about this, it's going, but he's not going to marry that girl. And she was right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't hear that during the time. When you're in the moment of it, though, it does not feel that way, especially if you're kind of a loved one looking on. Yeah, but I was just like, I'm going to live my life. Y'all do whatever you want to do. I'm going to do my thing. You do you. But but it is fascinating to me, I mean, knowing you that I, as I know you now, that, I mean, you had to go through a whole process and decide you're going to marry her and buy the ring and plan out the proposal and all that. I did it. I know you did, but like in the... Where at the same time you said there was all these red flags, but I guess just your loneliness was kind of well. I was also being counseled by Steve that for some weird reason he wanted us to be together and get married, and I've tried to like rehash that because it was through this process that I quit taking advice from him. Like, there's nothing I can't know, but it was even like her dad. Like, I sent him an email. He lived in somewhere in Florida and told him that I want to ask her to marry me and all stuff. And he sent me back a message, and he was like, 
I ain't worried about you taking care of her. I'm worried about what she's going to do to you. You seem to be a nice kid, and you need to pay attention because I've been through, been going through this with her her whole life. Her own dad told you that? Her dad said. Wow. And then I went and met her mom and her brothers, and her mom didn't raise her. Her grandmother raised her, but that was weird. But I would, was just finding myself in these situations where I guess this is what I'm supposed to do, so I'm just going to keep doing it. Okay. And it was, but I was not happy. I was like, right, taking the steps, going through the motions. But, and I did enjoy her company. I mean, we had fun. But right. it, at the end of the day, it was just fun. We're just right. having fun. So you got engaged, but then how did it break off? Well, we only stayed engaged for like 30 days. She started mm-hmm. acting weird, just things I couldn't put my finger on. Um, it was right after I went to court with her because she was going through this process of getting her kid back. And this lady, who I guess was like his foster mother. She mm-hmm. had had him then for like three years. And we went to court. Steve went with us. And in some ways I felt honored to be helping her put her life back together. But there was a lot of like fear in that. Like if I'm marrying her and I'm going to adopt this kid, and I told the judge that I was that was the plan, Yeah, like I would have been legally his father. Mm-hmm. And I would have been connected to her for the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, unless I was just... But, you know, I had to. I would have taken on that responsibility. But right after we went to court and the judge granted her all her rights back and stuff and all things were taking place, we were walking out of the courtroom and the lady who was the foster mother of her son, somebody who's known her for years, mm-hmm. she turned and looked at her and said, Karina, this is the time. Now, this is where you usually unravel and everything goes bad. So you need to pay attention. For, and if you can't do it for yourself, do it for for Mason, for the little boy. Yeah. And I just remember feeling like, what if I got myself involved in? Like, I, I don't want to be involved in this. But uh, trying to push through, Steve telling me that I'm being selfish, you know, because there are tons of red flags. Yeah. But every time he would tell me, oh, you're just, you just, basically there's something wrong with me. Right. For what I was thinking or what I was seeing. Then I found out that she had been diagnosed with bipolar. And I was like, I don't think I've heard this part of the story. (laughs) I'm not even, I'm only remembering it as I'm telling it. Yeah. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah. And then Steve like intervened in that. was like, you know, that's a designer diagnosis that people do these days. And, you know, he like played it off. And I was actually like trying to agree with him, I think. But then like the back of my mind, like, what is happening? What is happening? Right. And then she started acting weird. Um, I took her some flowers. She worked in a salon, mm-hmm. and I was out getting supplies for Kairos, and I bought her some, like, fresh-cut flowers. I was going to just surprise her, drop by there, and I opened up the door. I was just going to hand it to her and leave. And, you know, surprise, just so happy. You're so sweet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this day, this was the last one for me. Like, she was like, uh, I feel like you don't really, like, know me, because if you really knew me, you would know I'd rather have a plant. And have flowers. And I was like, well, let me tell you something, little girl. I'll give my own little bleep, what I want to call her. <laughs> no, I just said, you'd never get some flowers from me again, just so you know, just so you know that. But then she started acting weird and she was distant. And we had already, I'd helped her rent an apartment and I was supposed to move in after we were married. It was just all these things. Right. And something happened where she wasn't returning my calls and I felt like something weird was going on. And I went to her house. It was like, It was dark, so it was like 8 or 9 o'clock, and she was just acting strange, and she wouldn't talk to me. So I was like, whatever's going on, you need to, like, look me in the eyes and talk. I don't understand what's happening here. And 
I forget how I did it, but I was like, or you can just give me my ring back. We can call this off. You know, I'm going to be done with that. And she, like, put her, her hand out, like, with the ring and, like, shook her finger. So I, I went over there and just pulled the ring off and said, I'll holler at you. And I left. Holler at you. But it was, I thought it was just a thing. So I forget what happened. You she, thought it was just like a fight. Yeah. So yeah. she called Steve or something. And before I got home. Which, which was is a, also kind of weird and annoying. It was the same twisted thing as it was with Shauna. Yeah. It was like, I ju- it was just anyways. But at this time, I'm still listening to him. Yeah. So we get back. I get in the car, head home. It's like 10 minutes to my house. Before I got there, he had called, and he's like, he gave me like this 30-minute lecture on why you don't take rings back. That's not the way you do it, and I don't know what I'm doing, blah, blah. So we get into this conversation back and forth. He makes me feel guilty. I turn my car around. I go all the way back to her house, and we're still talking. talking. We're still talking when I park in front of her apartment on the south side. And he started asking me questions. And he said, I'm hearing more. Like, just wait. Just hold up. And then he started asking me more questions. And he said, I think she's using drugs. And I said, no. And he said, don't give her that ring back. <laughs> and I was like, hold up, time out. All this talk we've been having, you've been fussing at me the last hour and a half or however long we've been on the phone. He had a saying, which is wise, and I believe it. He says, always says that time and a collection of the facts will tell the truth. Mm. So he was like, why don't we sleep on this tonight? You just head back home, but something's not sitting right with me. So the next morning, he wakes up. Calls me first thing in the morning. I think I was still drinking my coffee. And he was like, I felt like the Lord spoke to me when I woke up this morning and told me that you were hearing from him and you're having discernment about this. And there's something bad going on with her. And you were right. And please forgive me for telling you to go back. And anyways, long story short, she was using drugs again. I can't be a part of that. So I immediately cut it off. We're done. But she had a phone that was mine that I told her I had to have back. It was an iPhone that I bought her. And I forget how it went down, but anyways, I told her, you're going to give me my phone back. And she was saying, it's my phone. I was like, I don't, it's my phone. It's in my name. I'm getting my phone back. So I met her like in a, I think it was a parking lot of a Walmart. Mm-hmm. And I got my phone. And then I was like, holla, Jesus loves you, but I'm out. And I've never really, never really looked back from that other than just the fear of knowing had I married her and had I got involved in that situation, I would have been legally bound to her probably for at least the next 18 years of my life if I'd adopted her son. And that Steve was pushing me into that. And it was, but I never, I've never really taken his advice after that. So how did you know for sure or find out for sure that she was on the drugs? She admitted it to Steve. And mm. then some of her friends were calling. And then, of course, she, you know, she jumps on social media and tries to make me out to be a bad guy. But nobody was wanting to hear any of that. Right. And then the next Sunday at church, she actually got up at share time and got the mic and was trying to make people talk about people judging and all this stuff. And nobody's really hearing that either. But I honestly, after that, I just moved on. I never really, there was not any hurt or pain, which tell, should tell you something. Right. Um, my only, like, sorrow was for the little boy. And that day I called the lady who was his foster mother and I said, you are his mama and you need to just accept that and raise that boy because you love him and you're the one that's always taking care of him and you probably always will be. And she is. She still, you know, she still got him. Wow. But uh, just, just the, 
being on the edge of being stuck in a situation like that. Oh, I mean, yeah, like you said, just like a decision that literally would have affected the rest of your life in such a big way. I mean, I remember my dad used to always say that the single most important decision you make in your whole life Mm -hmm. is who you marry. Because, I mean, you know, when you're joining lives with someone, having children with someone, like, you got to be... I mean, it's hard to know for sure, and that's why it's so scary. Yeah. But to know the person that you're marrying, it's, you know, it, oh, is a, it well, sounds so cliche, is a good person. It can make you or break you. Yeah, for sure. But for that situation, once I moved on, like I blocked her on everything, all my so, the phone numbers, and I don't think I've ever heard from her again. So I'm going to jump forward just for a second. Yeah. Because when you're to the end of this episode. Right. But when you told me this story after our first kind of significant conversation that we it was had. about six months later. Yeah. You told me the story, the, I'll call it the Karina story. I didn't give you details. I just told you I broke it off. Right. But I remember walking out thinking because I knew you were engaged. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so like. I would I told, say 98% of the time, that means a lot more than what it did to you in that time. And you were saying exactly what you're saying now. I said I wasn't hurt by it. There was no... That it was... I, I mean, was you're like, it. that was nothing. It was nothing. It was nothing. But I, but I remember thinking like, are we sure about that? Which I think <laughs> it was... I was fine to question that because it, you know... It yeah, it didn't some, seem normal. But it was weird because I was like, somehow I believe him, but it doesn't seem... It's not typical, for no. sure not typical. No. And so... Um, I never lost any sleep, better than I. I just felt relieved that I got out of that before I got in too deep. Yeah. That was my only... And then, you know, worrying about the little boy. And I'll even, like, further solidify. I feel like even now, like, you know, your story there has never changed. I've never sensed any type of... Thing no, like that was a, just in all of our conversations about her and your relationships and whatever. No, that was a blip on the radar. It's very obvious that the your relationship with Shauna was the one that kind of yeah really got a hold of you in multiple ways. Well, I think ways. that was part of it with with her was that I was lonely and she was yeah. there and it made sense and I was trying to make. I was trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and try to right. make it work, mm-hmm. but. uh Thank God that I didn't. Yeah, keep trying because, mm-hmm. but you know me. Once I am clear, I'm, clarity comes. Like yeah. okay, time and a collection of facts have made the truth known, and now it's time for James K. Jones to pop a clutch. <laughs> I've actually used that. I just used it this in the last few days. I can't remember who I was talking to, but saying like, yeah. "Oh, I've heard it said that that was a great piece of advice. That time and a collection of facts will be your, you know." The truth, the telltale thing of yeah. how it's going to go. <laughs> well, we, so. we're supposed to look at people, believe the best, expect the best, hope for the best. But when you have all these things that start happening and then they start piling up, then things make sense. Right. Things start making sense. And I mean, too, to mention like your gut instinct. I mean, even I know this about you aside from this story. Yeah. But your gut instinct is, it is actually crazy how spot on you are. I can't think of a time you weren't spot on well, that she, we know about. That's like come to because you just haven't whether you and a, a majority of the time you'll say, I don't know what it is. Yeah. But something doesn't feel right. Like you can't pinpoint specifically what it is, but like your gut I feel like is a very good indicator of what well, is. Well, it's just discernment. Things. Like everybody yeah. has spiritual gifts. Well, I have it too. I think um, but that's my top one is discernment. Yeah. And I'm usually 
it's got me in trouble more than it's helped me. How's it gotten you in trouble? Because I can usually, like, if I know something or see something before somebody else does, and then try to point it out, then they people look at me like I'm. I remember negative Nancy. Yeah, or like I'm <laughs> yeah. some kind of there's something wrong with me. That's your yeah judgmental. That's true. I yeah. Yeah, especially in like the circles I was running in with Steve, because I remember I think it was right during that time, the Alabama was playing Notre Dame for a national championship, and there was a a player. Oh, I know what you're gonna say. His name yes. was Manti Teo. Yeah. And they did this huge ESPN special on him that he was so committed to the game that his grandmother died and then his mom died and his girlfriend died, but he was just so committed to Notre Dame that he wasn't going to go to the funeral or go back to Hawaii where he's from. And I just knew that's that's, that's not right. I mean, there's yeah, something. Yeah, and they did a whole story piece they did. on it. It was a it big was so deal. Crazy. I said, he's doing that for attention. There's something, something sent right to me about that. And I remember Steve just like lashed out at me about that. Like, you are so judgmental and mean. So I was like, well, but then, you know, two months later, it was national news. He made it all up. <laughs> so here that we go. was crazy. I remember it that. Was, but I knew yeah. there was no way that was a real story. No, no, nobody's going to do yeah, that. Yeah, but you see something like that on a major network, on a major game. I mean, like most people, you know, don't question that. It sounded good. Yeah. It sounded great. But there was something that didn't sit. I don't know. Yeah. Here we go. But anyways, I knew from the time I met her. That she could be somebody I could be friends with or whatever, but not to get involved. But I got pushed into that. Um, but to take responsibility of my own, I was lonely and I wanted someone. And I'm just I thinking, settled. I'm just thinking of this now. And as we're talking about it, that yeah, I do wonder if the situation of you finding your brother again and reuniting, I guess, connecting mm-hmm. with him yeah. and the family in some weird way highlighted your loneliness. Oh yeah. And feeling sure like did. you know, isolated, which then drove that relationship, like what you said, to to yeah. what it was on the outside. But I remember and I'll close with this, there was another Sharon Denham was a lady who did prison ministry mm-hmm. and I knew her very well. We'd worked together for years. Mm-hmm. And she was her mentor. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling her, showing her the ring and telling her I was gonna ask Karina to marry me. And she said that's not a good idea. You know, she was blunt. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good idea. I don't think I don't think that's a good idea. And I remember I got offended at her. But she passed away a couple years ago, and I went to her funeral, Sharon Dillon's funeral, with Lula. And I was trying to find some words to say to her husband, and I told him that story. And I pointed at Lula, and he said, I said, you know, she was blunt, and she was direct, and people didn't always take her the right way. But she always told you the truth. And if I had a went through with that I wouldn't have my wife or my boys or my girl or anything so I really appreciate sharing yeah. her life anyways uh, moving forward Haley's gonna be telling her story of I'm on the hot seat next time she's coming to Birmingham but she can't find a job <laughs> and um, I began the process of opening my second restaurant in a sleepy bedroom community of Birmingham called Cardinal All right, we're getting closer to the intersection of our stories. It's super exciting. coming. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye. Well, hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. 
Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you like what you've heard, you can subscribe to all of our podcasts. Download the Patreon app. You can get all of our content early and ad-free. Straight out of prison, the for real real, and narrowing the gap. There's a specialized feed there for all subscribers. You'll get downloads, updates, exclusive contents, live Q&As, and more. Or head over to teamjones.co slash podcast and click on the Become a Patron button. And I'll also put that in the show notes. Other ways you can support us is to like and share, leave a rating and review, and support our sponsors. They help us provide this platform for free. Listen on Apple, Google, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. And thank you again for being a part of our story. Oh, I love that. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email me, Haley, Haley at teamjones.co. It's not .com. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review. Well, as long as you think we did good. (laughs) Or you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like, you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to, obviously, his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keeley at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at holland.com. 
hcs.com. You can look up Holland Home and Commercial Services on Instagram for daily tips and more. Or you can check out their website, hollandhcs.com. We have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast, Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve, and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS. T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Head over to chefjameskjones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. 